The path from metacomplexes to a DNA target. A review by Alex Comer and Jacqueline Barton from California Institute of Technology, Pasadena, USA, Clear Communications Journal, 2013. The discovery of cisplatin as a therapeutic agent stimulated a new era in the application of transition metal complexes for therapeutic design. Here we describe recent results on a variety of transition metal complexes targeted to DNA to illustrate many of the issues involved in new therapeutic design. We describe first structure studies of complexes bound covalently and non-covalently to DNA to identify potential lesions within the cell. We then review the biological feeds of the complexes, illustrating the key components in obtaining potent activity. The importance of uptake and subcellular localization of the complexes, as well as the techniques used to delineate these characteristics. Genomic DNA provides a challenging but valuable target for new transition metal based therapeutics. Introduction since the successful application of cisplatin as an anti-cancer drug, the field of inorganic medicinal chemistry has undergone a revolution. Several additional platinum complexes have achieved FDA approval for cancer treatments. Two ruthenium complexes are currently in clinical trials, and studies on the biological effects of potential metal-based therapeutics are being published at increasing rate. Anti-cancer compounds have a myriad of targets, DNA, proteins, membranes, etc. And in fact, the true lesion responsible for the biological activity of a compound is difficult to determine. Nevertheless, this article focuses on compounds that are not unlike cisplatin, that the complexes are thought to have DNA as the main target in cellular. Here we discuss studies of several metal complexes to explore the differences in structure interactions with DNA, the biological fates inside the cell and the tools and techniques being used to probe the path taken by the small molecule in reaching its DNA target, establishing cellular uptake and even the subcellular distributions of the metal complexes are critically important in understanding and optimizing the activity. Why the subtle hydrolysis reactions associated with cisplatin uptake probably could not have been strategically designed. They are key to its mode of action. This review is illustrative rather than comprehensive in its approach. Yet hopefully, these illustrations provide a foundation for considering strategies for new design and for elucidating mechanisms of action. DNA is a target. DNA represents a fruitful target for metal complexes. DNA can function as a ligand either through interactions with the sugar phosphate backbone or coordination to the bases. Moreover, non-covalent interactions with DNA lead to additional targets in greater specificity through an ensemble of interactions in the DNA grooves and base stack. Covalent interactions it has been widely accepted since 1970s that DNA is the biological target of cisplatin in vivo. However, the nature of the adduct formed between cisplatin and DNA was not determined 
until 1980s. Daily's introduction was proposed to be an interstrand cross-link between the N7 atoms of adjacent guanines and cisplatin based on the results of numerous biochemical studies. Day's adduct was further characterized by gel electrophoresis and was found the DNA duplex was bent by circa 40 degree. However, this adduct was not fully structurally characterized by X-ray crystallography until 1995, when the Lippard group published the 2.6 Armstrong resolution crystal structure of cisplatin bound to a double-stranded DNA dodecamma. In this structure, the duplex is bent considerably towards the major groove, but without disruption of the Watson Creek hydrogen bonding. In fact, the duplex is distorted to such a degree that the duplex changes conformation from BDNA to ADNA throughout most of the duplex. Such a significant distortion of the DNA is likely readily recognized by a host of cellular proteins. How efficiently such lesions are recognized and repaired rather than initiating a protein response and signaling cascade is a question we still need to understand and which may make the difference between biological efficiency and lethal reaction. Intercalation Metallointercalation is a DNA binding mode that has been extensively studied. The term was coined by Lippert and co-workers in studies of square planar platinum complexes with DNA. As with organic intercalators, these planar complexes containing aromatic heterocyclic ligands could stack among the DNA-based pairs. However, the lack of site specificity inherent by intercalation by a planar complex made detailed structure characterization difficult. The first structure characterization of metallointercalation was the 1.1 Armstrong resolution structure of the platinum complex PT-SETOH pi plus intercalated into the dunucleotide dimer deoxy-CPG. Although not able to establish long-range structure perturbations to DNA-associated intercalation, this structure did reveal the associated with intercalation the DNA unwinds to accommodate the metal complex between bases in the packer of the sugar rings changes geometry. This alternate sugar packer ring was suggested as the basis for the neighbor exclusion principle associated with DNA intercalation, where at most intercalators bind in every other interbase pair site. In succeeding years, our laboratory focused on intercalation by octahedral complexes containing at least one aromatic heterocyclic ligand for stacking a partial intercalation in between base pairs. The symmetry and functionality associated with non-intercalated ligands could then provide a basis for highly specific intercalations with several bases along the groove of DNA. Once oriented by stacking in the helix of the intercalated ligands, in particular we found the enantioselective intercalative binding of right-handed delta complexes into right-handed BDNA. One of the first structure characterizations of metallointercalation into a long DNA duplex was thus provided from the 1.2 Armstrong resolution crystal structure of the sequence-specific rhodium intercalator delta alpha rhodium RR methyl 2 triene phi 3 plus bound to a duplex octamer. 
This complex war is designed to target the sequence 5' TGCA3' through a mix of hydrogen bonding and methyl methyl interoperations in the DNA major groove. The complex was also shown as a result of its sequence specificity to inhibit the binding of sequence-specific DNA binding proteins, a first step in specifically binding gene expression. Critically, the structure obtained provided detailed information of how metal interaction in general modifies the conformation of DNA. And this structure intercalation occurs from the major groove, with aromatic intercalating phi ligand P stacking with the P orbitals of the flanking base pairs, similar to the stacking of consecutive base pairs in duplex DNA. This structure also confirmed the conformational changes revealed by short intercalated oligonucleotides, such as doubling of the rise, buckling of the base pairs, flanking the intercalation side, and the slight unwinding of the DNA localized at the site of intercalation. Interestingly, there were no long-range effects on the DNA structure, no bending or kinking of the helix. Indeed, even the alternating sugar pucker was not evident. The metal intercalator was simply like another base pair in the helical stack. Structure characterization of intercalation from the minor groove was recently obtained from two independent crystal structures of DPPZ complexes of ruthenium-2 intercalated into duplex DNA. The first is the 0.92 Armstrong resolution structure of two delta ruthenium bpy 2 dppz 2 plus complexes intercalated from the minor groove into a duplex 12 mer containing two mismatched sites. There are also two ruthenium complexes bound to the mismatched sites by insertion and the extruded adenosines B stack with the BPY ligands of the intercalated complexes, serving to stabilize the intercalated complex in the minor groove. Intercalation of this complex from the minor groove was in contrast to NMR and competitive Western studies, both of which suggested the intercalation of the ruthenium complex occurred from the major groove. Crystal packing forces may play a role here in directing intercalation from the minor groove side. In any case, it is clear that the energetic differences between intercalation from the major groove versus minor groove must be small. Furthermore, the structure showed the doubling of the rise of the DNA at each intercalation site and an unwinding of the base pairs to accommodate the complexes. Interestingly, while the rise is doubled at each intercalation site, the rise between the base pairs with no metal complex bound is reduced from the 3.3 Armstrong that is expected, consistent with P-stacking interactions between the extruded mismatches and the ancillary BPY ligands, being the dominating intercalation that may be directing intercalation from the minor groove. The second set of structures show the binding of lambda ruthenium fan 2 with the PPZ2+ to two different duplex stem mass. These structures reveal three different conformations of intercalation from the same complex. Namely, when intercalated at the TATA center step 
of the oligonucleotide DCCGGTACCGG2, the complex is intercalated deeply, perpendicularly and symmetrically into the base stack from the minor groove. However, when the complex intercalates at the mid-terminal GGCC step, the intercalation geometry is shallowed and angled. Finally, this angled intercalation allows for the phenanthroline ligands to semi-intercalate into the neighboring duplex. The semi-intercalation was also seen in structure of lambda ruthenium tap 2 DPPZ bound to a duplex temmer. These various structure characterizations of metallointercalation highlight the versatility of this binding mode and likely also the shallow energy profile among different intercalative binding modes. Likely, this structure diversity reflects the sequence selectivity associated with different complexes, where the non-intercalating interactions in the DNA groove lead to some structure variations, but none of these conformational changes yield dramatic changes in DNA structure, like the bend in DNA generated by a platinum crosslink, in the context of therapeutic design, the fact that metal intercalators cause no major structure distortions in DNA needs to be considered. Intercalators generally, especially those that have no sequence specificity, have little therapeutic applicability. Perhaps it is the fact that a strongly defined DNA lesion is not produced with intercalation that limits the biological consequences for metal intercalators. Insertion, rhodium metal inserters, as described in our laboratory, bind to mismatched DNA with high affinity and specificity. While it was known that these compounds could preferentially target thermodynamically destabilized mismatched in DNA of a matched base pairs by a factor over 1000 for 10 years, there was no structure information on the intercalation between these metal complexes and mismatched DNA. The 1.1 Armstrong resolution crystal structure of rhodium BPY2 Christy 3 plus bound to an AC mismatch revealed the binding mode to be metal insertion, where the crystal ligand inserts into the base stack via the minor groove and ejects both mismatches bases. Metal insertion of these complex results in only small conformational changes in the duplex near the binding sites, but a large perturbation associated with the injection of mismatched bases into the DNA groove. The structure also explains the enantial specificity of binding of rhodium BPY to Christie 3 The deep insertion of the complex within the minor groove with no increase in base pair rise results in a steric clash between the ancillary ligands and the sugar phosphate backbone in the left-handed isomer where to bound. For intercalation in contrast, where there is an increase in rise at the binding side, an anti-selective intercalation requires a much bulky ancillary ligand than BPY. As with the case of cisplatin, the structure may also suggest the basis of the biological activity of these complexes. Ejection of the mismatched bases results in a large lesion that could be easily recognized in vivo. This lesion likely is responsible for the selective cell death 
of MMR deficient cells of MMR proficient cells following rhodium treatment as there are thousand times as many mismatches in the MMR deficient cells. The binding confirmation has been corroborated by additional crystal structures of the same compounds bound to different mismatches. Furthermore, the generality of metal insertion as a binding mode for different bulky mesal complexes has been established by the crystal structure mentioned earlier, that of delta rho BPY2 DPPZ2+, bound by insertion at two mismatched sites. Again, the information gardened from these structures is instrumental in unraveling the mechanism of action of these therapeutic agents and thus in the development of future agents with improved biological activity. Biological activities of metal complexes Undeniably optimizing a compound as a therapeutic requires the complete assessment of its biological activity in vitro. Here we focus on the biological activity in cellular of several classes of transition metal complexes that are thought to target DNA. As the activities of cisplatin and other platinum compounds have been extensively discussed elsewhere, we describe here the characterization of non-platinum-based therapeutics. Polypyridyl complexes Biological activities of countless ruthenium polypyridyl complexes have been reported in the literature and have been the subject of many reviews. Indeed, the exploration of biological activities of polypyridyl complexes began more than 50 years ago in classic studies by Dower and co-workers. At that stage, no biological target was identified but the more recent studies on coordinatively saturated metal complexes suggest the DNA was likely to target for the full family of complexes examined earlier. Many more studies have been conducted on ruthenium complexes that bind DNA covalently by analogy to cisplatin than those which are coordinately saturated and inert to substitution binding non-covalently in one of the early studies, Novakova and the co-workers studied four chloropolypyridyl ruthenium complexes in murine and human-tumor cell lines. Interestingly, only the complex with three leaving chloride ligands, meruthenium terpichlor 3 displayed significant cytotoxicity, while the binding affinities of the different complexes could not explain this discrepancy. It was discovered that only the meruthenium terpichlor 3 complex had the ability to form interstrand cross links in the DNA, thus hearkening on the importance of specific lesions and structure distortion in determining biological activities, not simply ability for binding DNA. In a more recent study conducted by Tan and co-workers, several inherent ruthenium polypyridyl complexes were studied. Three ruthenium complexes containing a beta-carboline ligand along with the control compound ruthenium fan 2 dppz 2 They observed the upon substitution of the DPPZ ligand for the beta-carboline ligand, the complex now accumulates in the nucleus as well as the cytoplasm. 
Furthermore, the complexes with beta-carboline ligands are significantly more cytotoxic towards HALA cells, inducing apoptosis and autophagy, while ruthenium fan 2 dppz 2 plus does not. Since the cytotoxicities of the beta-carboline complexes correlated well with their DNA binding affinities, they concluded the genomic DNA may there be the primary target in cellular. The comparative results with these complexes, however, also suggest that the differential activities of the complexes may depend on more than just affinities. Both cellular uptake and localization may be issues. Moreover, the bulkiness and geometry of the coordinated carboline ligand may indicate that metalloinsertion plays some role in the binding intercalation. The Sheldrick Laboratory has focused on studies of a variety of rhodium polypyridyl complexes that can bind both covalently and non-covalently with DNA. A series of polypyridyl rhodium complexes containing a facial tripodal TPM CP star or thioether ligands were synthesized and their cytotoxicities towards the MCF7 and HT29 cell lines examined. They observed, in general, why keeping the facial ligand constant and increasing potency with increasing surface area and hydrophobicity of the polypyridyl ligand. Furthermore, it was found that for the polypyridyl ligands FEN, DPQ and DPPZ, the facial ligands had the effect of increasing the cytotoxicity in the order CP star 9-ANES-3-TPM. This trend was found to be consistent not with the binding affinity but with the magnitude of rhodium uptake into the cells. Some of these complexes were furthermore found to selectively target lymphoma BJAB cells of a healthy leukocytes. Ruthenium arene complexes. There have been many studies exploring the cytotoxicities of pyranostool complexes, compounds of the type Ne6-arene RuLx, where L is a bidentate ligand and X is a halide have been shown to exhibit anti-cancer activity, while the analogues with three monodenate ligands are completely inactive towards A2780 human ovarian cancer cells. In particular, the results from a few studies by the Sudler Laboratory revealed that while the identity of the halide and chelating ligands had minor effects, on the biological activities of these complexes towards A2780 cells, the size of the arene ligand had a major effect. The potency of the drug followed the trend benzene, p-cymine, biphenyl, dehydroanthracene, tetrahydroanthracene, which suggests increased cellular accumulation enhances the activity. It was also noted that the arene complexes of the form type Ne6-arene ruthenium en chlor were En equal ethyl endamine did not display cross-resistance with splatin, suggesting 
an entirely different mechanism of action of these types of compounds. Further studies confirmed that these complexes bind to DNA and induce structure distortions to DNA that are distinct from those induced by cisplatin. Specifically, they have been found to bind selectively to G bases in DNA oligonucleotides, regardless of the presence of other biologically relevant binding sites, along with partial intercalation of the arene linked into the base stack. Rhodium metal inserters The biological activities of rhodium metal inserters showing a preferential activity mismatch repair MMR-deficient cells reflect well on the initial strategy used for the design, namely targeting DNA mismatches and therefore cells that have a high frequency of DNA mismatches, the MMR-deficient cells. First studies were designed and carried out to establish in vitro that the complexes bind to DNA mismatches with high affinity and specificity. Several years later, their unique biological activity was characterized. Two metal inserters were found to preferentially inhibit growth in MMR-deficient cells over MMR-proficient cells. Furthermore, while only the delta rhodium BPY to Christie 3 plus enantiomer binds to mismatches in vitro, likewise only the enantiomer was found to possess this biological activity, implying that the biological activity of these complexes originates from binding to mismatches in cellular. Further evidence to support this notion was achieved in a succeeding study in which the ability of several different metal inserters with violent ancillary ligands to target MMR deficient cells preferentially was directly correlated with their mismatched binding affinities. A subsequent study on the mechanism of activity of these metal inserters revealed that not only do they selectively inhibit growth of MMI deficient cells, but after long incubation times they are also selectively cytotoxic, inducing necrolysis in the MMR deficient cells. The ability of these complexes to target MMR-deficient cells over MMR-proficient cells with this selectivity is distinctive. Commonly used chemotherapeutics, alkylators, DNA-damaging agents, as well as cisplatin, all suffer from a selective toxicity instead with MMR-proficient cells, leading to a build-up in resistance to MMR-deficient cancers. Moreover, it appears the selective activity of metal inserters in MMR-deficient cells is not only unique, but also general to the full family of metal inserters. The further development of these class of compounds that might help overcome one of the largest issues we have with current platinum-based therapeutics, a quiet or inherent resistance. Cellular uptake of metal complexes. Establishing biological activity of small molecules and complexes in the cellular milieu is clearly more complicated than establishing chemical targets and structures in a test tube. A key element underlying this complexity is whether and how the complex enters the cell. Does it even make it its test tube target? Methods 
to monitor cellular uptake. Because transition metals like rhodium, ruthenium and platinum are not inherently found in the cell, techniques that focus on detecting metals such as atomic absorption spectroscopy AAS, or inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometry ICPMS, are invaluable to monitor cellular uptake. The foundation of AAS is the aspect that metal ions absorb strongly at discrete characteristic wavelengths. In this technique, the sample is suctioned into an atomizer which reduces everything in the sample to its atomic state. The atoms are then irradiated during which time they will absorb light of a certain energy which equals a specific electronic transition of a particular element. The remaining radiation then passes through a monochromator which picks out the wavelength of light specific to the metal of interest and sends it to the detector. Quantitative information is obtained by taking the ratio of the flux without a sample to the flux with the sample and converting to concentration using a BL ampere law. ICPMS is highly sensitive and is applicable to a wide range of metals. Furthermore, it is compatible with a wide range of sample matrices, including many biologically relevant ones. The sample is introduced into a spray chamber where it is nebulized into an aerosol. These small droplets are then transferred to the inductively coupled plasma. The sample droplets are atomized and ionized by the plasma, leading to atomic singly charged ions which are subsequently transferred to the mass spectrometer which is used to determine the concentration of the metals of interest. Confocal fluorescence microscopy allows for the acquiring of high resolution 3D images with low background interference and can be used to observe intracellular fluorescent compounds. As such, confocal fluorescence microscopy has been utilized in countless studies to probe this cellular uptake of metal complexes, but only those they are luminescent. However, due to differences in the quantum yields among different luminescent compounds, this technique cannot be utilized to quantify the amount of drug localized inside the cell. Another technique that can be used to monitor uptake of luminescent molecules is flow cytometry. In this technique, cells are individually counted based on the amount of luminescence inside of them. A stream of cells is passed through a laser beam and the instrument records the light scatter and luminescence. The readout is a histogram showing the number of cells versus luminescence intensity. Importantly, combining either of these techniques with ICPMS or AAS can give much more information than either technique alone. Relationships between drug uptake and activity One major disadvantage of platin treatment is acquired resistance. While there are several different explanations that can account for this resistance, one important mechanism of cisplatin resistance is decreased cellular accumulation of the drug, specifically in an early study by Andrews and co-workers, AAS was used to quantify cisplatin accumulation into parent and cisplatin resistance 2008 human ovarian carcinoma cells. 
The resistance cells, which exhibited a 3.3-fold resistance, displayed 50% less intracellular platinum than the parental cell line. Since this study, there have been numerous investigations on various different cell lines, many of which employed AAS or ICP-EMS, to corroborate this observation. In a study done by Shedlick Laboratory, a series of rhodium-3 polypyridyl complexes were synthesized and their cytotoxicities toward MCF7 and HC29 cancer cells determined. It was noted that as the lipophilicity of the polypyridyl ligand was decreased, the cytotoxicity instead as well, and they therefore measured the cellular accumulation of each compound using AAS. As with the cisplatin example, the most potent complexes exhibited the greatest amount of cellular rhodium accumulation. The relationship between intracellular drug concentration and efficiency is not always as straightforward as in the above studies, however. For example, in a study conducted by Bukarsik and co-workers, triazomeric rhodium 2 pyanostool complexes were examined. They set toxicities against two cisplatin-sensitive and two cisplatin-resistant cancer cell lines were determined, and the intracellular ruthenium concentrations were determined by AAS. Surprisingly, the extent of ruthenium uptake of the three complexes did not correlate at all with the different cytotoxicities. In fact, the most potent of the three complexes displayed the least amount of ruthenium uptake into the cell. After numerous DNA binding studies, the authors attributed the enhanced toxicity of this complex to its ability to not only covalently interact with DNA, but also intercalate into DNA. Perhaps the structure distortions generated this bound lesion produced a great cellular response. In a case, this study nicely analyzed the fact that in many cases, more information than just intracellular drug concentration is necessary in order to explain biological activity. One study that combines ICAP, EMS, and fluorescence microscopy to study the relationship among structure activity and uptake was done by Louis and co-workers. In this study, a series of luminescent ruthenium-1 peripedil was examined. Here, there was a direct correlation found between intracellular ruthenium concentrations determined by ACP-EMS and cytotoxicities in HALA cells. Due to the luminescent nature of the complexes, the autos were also able to monitor uptake in live cells by a confocal microscopy and even observe the localization of the complexes in the mitochondria of the cells. Mechanisms of uptake While knowing the relationship between the amount of a therapeutic taken into a cell and the activity of the drug is important, understanding how the compound gains entry into the cell is likewise crucial for optimization of next-generation complexes. The mechanism of cell uptake of a drug can direct its localization within the cell as well as the specificity of a given compound for one cell type versus others. The different routes of entry into the cell include passive diffusion, facilitated diffusion, active protein transport, and endocytosis. Passive diffusion is the movement of the molecule of interest across the cell's lipid bilayer, 
facilitated by the concentration gradient. Facilitated diffusion is the transport of the molecule of interest across the cells lipid by layer, facilitated by a membrane-bound transport protein, such as a channel or a passive carrier. Active transport is a very similar, but the protein involved in this type of transport are membrane-bound ATPases, meaning the transport of moving a substance from the outside of the cell to the inside uses ATP. Endocytosis is a general term for the process by which the cell will engulf a molecule using a vesicle formed from the plasma membrane. Endocytosis can be broken down into five different categories. Micropinocytosis, clearin-mediated endocytosis, caveolin-mediated endocytosis, clarothene and caveolin-independent endocytosis, and phagocytosis. All forms of endocytosis involve the formation of a membrane compartment and simply differ in the size and composition of the compartments involved. Phagocytosis involves the uptake of particles larger than 0.5 micrometer in diameter and thus is not applicable to small transition metal complexes. Micropinocytosis involves ruffling of the membrane to form large pockets greater than 1 micrometer in diameter and endocytic vesicle, which are filled with both extracellular solvent and solute molecules. These vesicles are then broken down by endosome or lysosomes. Clarin-mediated endocytosis is mediated by clarin-coated pits, which are bound 100 nanometer in diameter and have a crystalline coat made up of transmembrane receptors associated with the protein clarithene. These receptors bind their respective ligands and then pinch off to form clarithene-coated vesicles, CCVs, which are internalized into the cell. A caveolin-mediated endocytosis flask-shaped pits in the plasma membrane about 60 to 80 nanometer in diameter, a shape by caveolin, a protein that binds cholesterol. Finally, a clarithene and caveolin independent cytosis, small structures that are 40 to 50 nanometer in diameter act as rafts, freely diffusing along the cell surface. These rafts will then be captured and internalized within any endocytic vesicle. However, just as membrane-bound proteins can facilitate the entry of a complex into the cell, certain proteins called efflux transporters can facilitate the extrusion of such compounds from the cell. In fact, multidrug efflux pumps, which can recognize multiple structures with similar compounds, are often responsible for chemotherapeutic resistance. The most well-studied of such mammalian flux transporters is the ATP-binding cassette ABC family. These flux transporters are ATP hydrolysized to drive the extrusion of drugs from the cell and can do so gain significant concentration gradients. The reason behind the broad substrate specificity of these flux transporters is the presence of a large flexible hydrophobic binding pocket which allows for substrate binding via hydrophobic and electrostatic interactions. Rather than the specific hydrogen bonding networks present in less promiscuous transported proteins, 
a basic experiment in determining the mechanism of uptake is determining whether the mechanism of uptake is energy dependent or independent. Both passive and active diffusion are energy independent, while active transport and endocytosis are energy dependent. By incubating cells at low temperature, 4 degree, or in the presence of metabolic inhibitors, processes that require energy will be blocked. If the drug of interest has decreased uptake under these conditions, the mechanism of uptake involves an energy-dependent process, while if uptake is unchanged, the mechanism is an energy-independent process. Passive diffusion has the broadest range in substrates out of all uptake mechanisms and is therefore an attractive mode of uptake for therapeutics. Uptake mediated by passive diffusion is the most difficult to modulate, but can be done. Uptake of positively charged molecules, such as many inorganic therapeutics, can be driven by the plasma membrane potential of the cell. In mammalian cells, the membrane potential is generated and maintained by a potassium concentration gradient. This potential can be reduced either by using media with a potassium concentration equal with the intracellular potassium concentration or by adding gramadicin A to the media, a polypeptide that, that will form transmembrane channels which allow unrestricted potassium transversal thus destroying the concentration gradient. In contrast, the cell can be hyperolyzed by adding valonomycin to the media a potassium-specific ionophore that will increase potassium transportation across the membrane. Protein-mediated transport, facilitated diffusion and active transport have the capability of being cell-type or tissue-type specific. This allows for development of targeted drugs, thus attenuating those limiting side effects. This type of uptake can be repressed by using known inhibitors of specific transport proteins. If uptake of the compound of interest is decreased in the presence of the inhibitor, then the respective transport protein most likely is involved in uptake. Likewise, many flux transporters have known inhibitors. If uptake of a compound is increased in the presence of an inhibitor, then the compounds likely substrate for the respective flux protein. As with protein-mediated transport, the different types of endocytosis can be mediated by using known inhibitors of the different processes. Ammonium chloride and chloroquine diphosphate are general endocytosis inhibitors. Chlorpromazine hydrochloride, monodicycavidine, MDC, and phenyl arsinoxide are inhibitors of clarimediated endocytosis and macropinocytosis. Philippine and nastine selectively inhibit caveolin-mediated endocytosis via cholesterol sequestration. Amyrolide as well as 5-N-N-D-methyl-amyloride DMA and 5-N-ethyl-N-azopropyl-amyloride AE PA inhibits micropinocytosis and phagocytosis by obstructing sodium hydrogen exchange. Cisplatin is the prototypical medicinal inorganic drug. There have been many studies of the activity, uptake, and subcellular distribution of this molecule 
and these serve as illustrations of how mechanisms may be elucidated. For many years, it was widely accepted that cisplatin entered the cell via passive diffusion. In one such study on the mechanism of uptake of cisplatin, Binks and Dobrota measured the amount of uptake of cisplatin in rat small intestines using AAS. They found the uptake of the drug was linear with respect to time and not searchable up to a concentration of 1 millimolar. The authors also found no change in uptake of cisplatin when the experiments were repeated under metabolic inhibition, confirming that the mechanism of uptake is energy-independent and through passive diffusion. More recently, however, it was found that several protein-mediated transport pathways can also be responsible for cisplatin uptake. The most important of these pathways are the organic cation transporters and the copper influx transporter CTR1. To demonstrate the contribution of CTR1 to cisplatin uptake, Howell and co-workers measures cisplatin uptake in A2780 human ovarian cancer cells using ICPMS. They increased expression of CTR1 20-fold and found the intracellular platinum levels increased by 55% after 24 hours of platinum incubation. Many ruthenium complexes are easy to monitor in uptake studies owing to the strong luminescence. For example, we have used flow cytometry to study the uptake of the luminescent lipophilic ruthenium complex, ruthenium DIP2, DPPZ2+, into HeLa cells. It was found that under metabolic inhibition uptake of the ruthenium complex remained unchanged. Additionally, increasing the incubation temperature from 4 degree to 37 degree had no effect on uptake. These experiments showed that the mechanism of uptake was energy independent. To rule out facilitated diffusion by organic cation transporters OCTs, uptake of the ruthenium complex was also studied in the absence and presence of a variety of OCT inhibitors and was found to be affected by the presence of these compounds. Lastly, we examined the effect of changes in the membrane potential on uptake of ruthenium compound. When incubated with a 170 millimolar potassium buffer, uptake decreased substantially. Furthermore, in the presence of valinomycin, uptake of the compound increased substantially. Taken together, it was concluded the uptake of ruthenium dip 2 dpbz was solely via passive diffusion. It is interesting to consider this complex being taken up at all efficiently. The complex has a diameter of approximately 21 Armstrong, not unlike many small proteins, yet it is efficiently taken up through the cell membrane, to the cytoplasm and to some extent to the nucleus of the cell. In one last study by Paisani and co-workers, the mechanism of cell uptake of a dinuclear polypyridine ruthenium-2 complex into L1210 murine leukemia cells was determined through flow cytometry experiments. In this study, the authors found that varying the temperature of incubation from 4 degree to 20 degree to 37 degree had an effect on uptake, with the 4 degree sample having the least amount of intracellular ruthenium. 
Furthermore, when the cells were incubated with increased amount of glucose, uptake of the ruthenium complex was significantly enhanced. Conversely, under metabolic inhibition, uptake marginally decreased. In order to rule out endocytosis, the authors measured ruthenium uptake in the presence of a variety of different endocytosis inhibitors and found the uptake was either unchanged or increased in the presence of these inhibitors. Furthermore, when incubated with a variety of OCT inhibitors, uptake remained unchanged. The authors concluded the uptake was in large part due to passive diffusion, with a minor contribution from protein-mediated active transport. It is important to consider that complexes to similar in chemical structure need have similar mechanism of uptake. Experiments need to be determined in each case to establish the uptake mechanism. Subcellular localization of the metal complex. Once a therapeutic has entered the cell, there are a plethora of different organelles in which it can localize. Whatever activities and targets depend on where within the cell the complex becomes localized. The localization can also determine unwanted toxicities associated with a given complex. Methods to monitor localization. The most commonly exploited technique for the subcellular mapping of inorganic therapeutics is fluorescence microscopy. However, this technique can only be used if the complex of interest is inherently luminescent. Cells can be treated with the luminescent drug of interest concomitantly with any of various fluorescent organelle specific probes. The extent of overlap between the drug and the probe will provide information on the localization of the drug. For example, Madsen and co-workers synthesized a variety of DPPZ complex of ruthenium derivatized with alkyl ether chains of various length and used confocal laser scanning microscopy to study the subcellular localization in CHOK1 cells using various RNA and membrane-specific dyes. They found, perhaps not surprisingly, that the least lipophilic compound localized in the nucleus while the most lipophilic localized in the membrane. While fluorescence microscopy has the capability of providing a qualitative assessment of the localization of therapeutics in living cells due to differences in the quantum yields among different luminescent compounds, this technique cannot be utilized to quantify the amount of drug localized inside the cell. Furthermore, many metal-based luminescent compounds have been shown to exhibit different quantum yields depending on the environment surrounding the compound, which further complicates the quantitation of the localization of luminescent metal complexes using this technique. In a study by Grossels and co-workers, ICPMS was used to track the uptake and cellular localization of cisplatin as well as two ruthenium-based chemotherapeutics currently in clinical trials, NEMI-A and KP1019, reduced mitochondrial combination of cisplatin was observed in cisplatin-resistant cells while the ruthenium-based drugs were found to have different localization patterns than cisplatin which did not change from one cell type to another. 
while AAS and ICAP EMS can provide quantitative information on the subcellular localization of organic complexes, the process of sample preparation for these methods involves the destruction of the cells, and therefore no structural information is obtained. One method for the visualization of the subcellular localization of metal-based therapeutics while obtaining the structural integrity of the cell is electron microscopy. Electron microscopy has the advantage of providing spatial resolution that is almost three orders of magnitude better than conventional light microscopy, allowing for the resolution of structural details in the nanometer range. Furthermore, the electron-dense property of metal ions can be detected inside cells by electron microscopy due to mass contrast. In transmission electron microscopy TEM, cells are fixed, dehydrated, with organic solvent embedded in resin and then finely spliced. These thine samples are then exposed to electron beam which will be either scattered by regions of high electron density or transmitted to low electron density regions of the sample to a detector which then constructs a constant image of the sample where areas of high electron density have higher contrast. In a study by Van Reeds and co-workers, the distribution of a osmium-2 arene complex in ovarian cancer cells was determined by TEM. It was observed that upon treatment of A2780 cells with 5 micromolar osmium complex, increased contrast was observed in the mitochondria, nucleus and nuclear membrane. The morphological changes associated with apoptosis were able to be observed at the same time illustrating the utility of electron microscopy. Electron microscopy can in certain cases be combined with elemental mapping to obtain a technique called energy filter transmission electron microscopy, EFTM. In this technique, as electrons from the electron beam hit the sample, some will undergo an anelastic collusion, losing an amount of energy that is equivalent to the core atomic level of the element they just collided with. In this case, not only will the an image will be created with the resolution of electron microscopy, but also element distribution maps can be obtained from the sample. The last technique to consider here is a nanoscale secondary ion mass spectroscopy, nanoSEMS. In this technique, a high-energy primary ion beam bombards the surface of a sample sputtering secondary ions which are then detected and analyzed by a mass spectrometer. This may nano SEMS can provide spatial resolution up to 50 nanometer as well as elements and isotopic information of the sample. This technique is in its infancy and as such has not been widely utilized in a subcellular mapping of metal-based therapeutics. However, in one study by Bernice Price Lab, a complementary EFTEM and nanoSEMS study was performed on an intertumor gold 1 phosphine complex. In this study, human breast cancer cells MDA were treated with a gold complex analyzed by both EFTEM and nanoSEMS for subcellular gold localization. Using EFTEM, the localization of gold could be observed as well as the morphological changes accompanying gold treatment. NanoSIMS allowed for the mapping of 12C, 14N, 13P, 
gold and 34 sulfur. The gold signal clearly colloquialized with the sulfur signal. Thus, supporting the idea the mechanism of action of gold when compounds involves the inhibition of thiol containing protein families. Peptide conjugation. DNA is a cellular target of many inorganic chemotherapeutic agents. As such, it is important for these complexes to localize mainly in the nucleus of cells. One strategy to alter the subcellular localization of a compound is through peptide conjugation. Nuclear localization sequences NLS are small peptides which we appended to a protein, will in essence allow the protein to be imported into the nucleus by nuclear transport. As an example, Kirin and co-workers utilize the NLS pro list 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 arch list vol to enhance the uptake and nuclear localization of the cobalt complex into HT29 cells. AAS experiments revealed that not only does the conjugate have enhanced uptake compared to the unconjugated cobalt complex, but also the intracellular cobalt concentration of the conjugate is higher than the extracellular cobalt concentration. Furthermore, the fraction of intracellular cobalt localized in the nucleus increased for the conjugates compared to the unconjugated cobalt complex. However, in the design of peptidotherapeutic conjugates, care must be taken to ensure that the conjugate itself still has the same biological target as the unconjugated molecule. For example, in an attempt to increase the accelerated cellular uptake of our rhodium metal inserters, the rhodium fen BPY prime Arch 8 Christy 11 plus complex was synthesized. Update studies conducted on the fluorescein appended analogue confirmed fast nuclear uptake in HeLa cells. However, DNA binding studies revealed that with octa-arginine appendage, the non-specific binding affinity of both complexes for mismatched and matched DNA increased due to the substantial added positive charge of the peptide. In fact, studies of cellular proliferation with the metalloinserter peptin conjugate confirmed that the complexes no longer showed the preferential inhibition of MMR deficient cells. As expected, if specific binding only to mismatched DNA was lost. One route to restore specificity would be to include a self-cleavered linker so that the conjugate would be removed once inside the nucleus. The work does illustrate the utility, but also subtle new issues that arise with peptide conjugates for therapeutic applications. Many laboratories append fluorescent tags onto molecules of interest to follow their subcellular localization. The process of appending a fluorescent tag to the molecule of interest can, however, also alter the subcellular localization. As an illustration, we examine the localization of pep properties of two ruthenium DPPZ peptide conjugates, one with and one without a fluorescent tag. The conjugate with only the octaarginine peptide was localized throughout the cytoplasm in punctate distribution and was completely absent from the nucleus. On the other hand, the conjugate with both octaarginine and fluorescent exhibited nuclear staining when incubated under the same conditions as the previous conjugate. The studies 
clearly shows the consequences of appending fluorescent tags to non-fluorescent molecules in order to study the subcell localizations. Combination of techniques. In order to gain a complete understanding of the mechanism of action of a given complex, the techniques discussed here must be combined. For example, in a recent study in our laboratory, the activity, uptake and subcellular localization of 10 different rhodium metal inserters were examined. While the binding affinities of all 10 compounds were found to be within an order of magnitude of each other, the abilities of the compounds to selectively target MMR-deficient cells over MMR-proficient cells varied dramatically. The more lymphophilic compounds show the least selectability of the MMR-deficient cells. ICAPMS was then used to determine the intracellular rhodium concentrations of all 10 compounds of a 24-hour time course in human colorectal HCT-116 cells. The different compounds had drastically different patterns of rhodium uptake over time, reflecting different mechanisms of uptake. However, the amount of intracellular rhodium did not correlate at all with their biological activities. ICP-EMS was then combined with organelle functionalization technique in order to provide us with quantitative information about the subcellular localization of the rhodium metal inserters. After treating HCT116 cells with the virus compounds, the nuclei and mitochondria were isolated and tested for rhodium content using ICP-EMS. It was found that while all compounds tested were localized in the nucleus at concentrations sufficient for DNA mismatch binding, those with higher mitochondrial rhodium accumulation showed low specificity for MMR-deficient cells of MMR-proficient cells. Binding to DNA in the mitochondria was deleterious to the unique biological activity. Thus, this study established clearly that it is mismatched in genomic DNA that are the ultimate target of rhodium metal inserters and that are possible for their unique biological activity. Conclusion the development of new cell-selective therapeutic agents is imperative, and metal complexes offer a wealth of possibilities for new design. Structure characterization of the intercalation between a given complex and its target is critical, providing insights as to what changes can be made to increase affinity and specificity for the target. Likewise, structure-function relationships can provide critical information also important is developing an understanding of the relationship between uptake and activity. The knowledge of where within the cell the complex is being shuttled is a powerful tool and a possible driver in the design of new therapeutics with improved effectiveness. In general, metal complexes offer the tools, flexibility in ligand substitution and via techniques to monitor their path and biological fate within the cell. Thank you for listening to Power Breathing.